Previously on the Grand Sophie... Ceci surprised everyone at our ball by announcing her engagement to Augustus Fornhope. Cecilia, have you lost all sense of propriety? What impropriety am I guilty of in seeking some fresh air in the company of my affianced husband? <gasps> and then the next day, the monkey wreaked havoc in our house, including tearing my pocket square. Come along now. If everyone will kindly refrain from making any noise or sudden movements... Got you. Sophie had found a piece of paper in young Hubert's coat while she was mending the pocket torn by Jacko the monkey. She restored it to him that evening and was astonished when he snatched it out of her hands. Where did you find this? It must have fallen out of your pocket, Hubert. I dare say. I didn't know I'd put it there. Pray, do not mention it to anyone. I had no intention of doing so. Is anything wrong? Why do you ask? You look out of sorts. Tell me what's amiss. Have you perhaps lost a large sum at Newmarket? <laughs> if that were all. If it isn't, I wish you'd tell me the full sum of it, Hubert. I assure you, you are perfectly safe in my hands. Sir Horace brought me up to think there is nothing more odious than to be the kind of person who blabs secrets. But I know you are in some sort of trouble. And if you won't tell me, I think I ought to drop a hint in your brother's ear, for you need someone to advise you. Oh, Sophie, you wouldn't... He has told me in round terms that he wouldn't help. Of course I won't say anything to him. But, as you are so reticent, I am forced to ask, is it anything to do with a woman? What Sir Horace would call a bit of muslin? Sophie! Upon my word, no, nothing of that sort. Money, then. Hubert, come and sit by me. I don't suppose it's half as bad as you fear. Oh, if worse comes to worst, a fellow can always enlist. True, but I don't think life in the ranks would suit you at all. And it would much distress your mother, you know. Tell me all. Well, I had to go to Goldhanger. Eventually, Hubert told her he'd incurred some debts the previous year at Oxford, which he hadn't dared disclose to his brother, hoping in the immemorial way of youth to discharge them himself through a run of luck at French Hazard or Roulette. But his luck didn't change and his debts only grew, leaving him either to jump in the river or go to a moneylender. Of course, I'd never have done so if I wasn't certain of being able to pay the shark off within six months. When you come of age, you mean? I fancy that's what old Goldhanger thought when he agreed to lend me the money. I never told him so, mind. All I said was that I was certain of coming into possession of a large sum, and I was, Sophie. My good friend Bob Gilmorton knew the owner of this horse, and he swore to me that it couldn't lose. But it did. Unplaced. Sir Horace says that if you ever trust your horse to set your fortune to rights, he always is unplaced. And Sir Horace is always right. The owner was crooked, the trainer was useless, and the jockey couldn't win a race even if he was riding your Salamanca. Is it not illegal to lend money to miners, which you still are? Well, I know that, but a friend of mine knew of this fellow Goldhanger and told me what to say and so forth. How much did you borrow? Five hundred. Good gracious, did you lose all that at cards? No, but I needed a hundred to bet on that cursed horse. How else was I going to pay the interest? I think your Mr Goldhanger is an infamous rascal. But you have nothing to fear, because he must know he cannot recover his money from a miner and wouldn't dare to sue you for it. But dash it, Sophie, I must pay the fellow back what I owe him. And besides, he insisted on my giving him a pledge, and... and I did. You didn't pledge a family heirloom, did you? Good God, I'm not as bad as that. It was mine, and, well, I wouldn't call it an heirloom exactly, but Grandfather left it to me. He wore it all the time, but men don't anymore, not these days. It's a ring, you know, a great square emerald thing with diamonds all round it. 
Mama gave it to me when I went to a masquerade last year, and she told me it was mine. So when I was asked for a pledge, that's all I could think of. And don't tell me I stole it from Mama. She was only keeping it because I had no use for it. You must get it back at once. I wish I could, but there's no chance of that now. When that horse lost, I was ready to blow my brains out. I, I shan't do so because it wouldn't change things besides creating a scandal and... What you should do is make a clean breast of this to your brother. He'll give you a tremendous scold, but he'll help you out. A scold? You don't know him. I promise you he'd make me come down from Oxford and thrust me into the army or some such thing. I'll try everything before I apply to him. Very well, then. I will lend you £500. Oh, Sophie, you're a great gun. I mean, a capital girl. But of course I couldn't borrow money from you. Uh, no, don't say anything more. It's out of the question. What you don't understand... What you don't understand? I've signed a bond, Sophie, giving him 15% interest every month. Good God, Hubert! How could you agree? What else could I do? I had to pay my gaming debts, didn't I? And who else could I go to? The regular fellas would have shown me the door. They tell me Goldhanger is what they call a lock or a fence. A receiver, you know. If I fail or threaten him, he'll inform against me at Oxford, never mind selling my ring. So what do you intend to do if you won't apply to your brother or accept a loan from me? I have a month left, Sophie. Uh, anything can happen in that time. Don't you believe in miracles? I do, and I beg you not to trouble your head any further over my little difficulties. When Hubert had left her, Sophie sat pondering what she could do to help her young cousin. Not being one to abandon any projects she'd set herself, she decided her best course of action was to confront Mr Goldhanger in person. Though she was only 20, she'd been brought up to take care of herself and having dealt with Spanish bandits, an English moneylender held no terror for her. She thought of drawing on Sir Horace's funds to defray Hubert's debt, but rapidly persuaded herself that the money was her responsibility, which she took care of by selling for £500 a pair of fine diamond earrings her father had bought her only a year earlier. She then had herself driven to Bear Alley, and politely, but firmly, asked Mr Goldhanger to return Hubert's bond and the ring he'd given as a pledge. I'd prefer to keep them, my lady. I expect you would. But if you don't hand them over, I shall drive at once to Bow Street and lay the whole matter in front of the magistrate. I don't think that would be wise. I am not in the least afraid of you, Mr Goldhanger, or of anything you can do. And I took the precaution of bringing my pistol, which I would not hesitate to use. But ladies do not like loud bangs, let alone pulling triggers. I beg you not to be foolish, my lady. I should warn you I'm a very fair shot. My father taught me, and at this range I promise I could put a bullet through any part of you I choose. I am not frightened of guns in women's hands, especially when I know they are unloaded. My lady! Uh, my ceiling! Put that silly gun away and we will talk business. Sophie returned to Barclay Square, only to find the house in an uproar which even her cousin Charles couldn't quell. Oh, Charles, the most dreadful thing! Sophie's earrings have vanished and the staff insist they know nothing about it. I might have known Sophie would be at the bottom of it. Where is she? Sophie! Have you found them? Found what? Your earrings, my love. Your maid said... My... Oh, 
Aunt, I am so sorry. It's my fault for not telling Jane I had taken my earrings to be cleaned. I thought at the ball they looked quite dull, but I should have informed her. What a fuss about nothing. Thus disarmed, the household returned to its normal routine, and Sophie trusted that would be the end of the matter. However, on the following day, when she was writing some letters... Pray enter. Charles. I've brought back your earrings, cousin. I think you'll find they've been cleaned to your satisfaction. My earrings? I... I don't know what to say. That is indeed a change. How did you know, Charles? Know what, cousin? That I had sold them. You were not hiding in the shop, were you? As it happens, I knew from Eugenia, who I called in on on the way home. I know what you're going to say. She happened to be in the shop with her mother, and the gentleman who dealt with your business neglected to close his office door properly. Eugenia recognised your voice and couldn't help but overhear your conversation. She felt it her duty to tell me she feared you might be in some difficulty. How very obliging of her to interest herself in my affairs. I expect it was her great delicacy that prevented her from speaking to me rather than to you. Please remember I am betrothed to Miss Raxton. She thought she should mention it to me because she didn't feel she could possibly ask you for an explanation. If she had, or if you intend to ask me to explain anything I choose to do, you may go to the devil! Such talk would have shocked her profoundly. Do you say such things to your father when you lose your temper? Not always. It's quite intolerable. I, I beg pardon, Sophie, but I need to speak to you. And to Charles. What's amiss now, Hubert? Uh, Cecilia told me about your earrings. Was that how you came by the money? I can't stand it, and I won't. I'd rather tell Charles the whole story. I urged you to do so from the start, did I not, Hubert? I shall leave you to it and order some coffee. Well, Hubert, was it Newmarket? That was the least part of it. Tell me the worst. I went with a man I know to a place in Pall Mall and another in St James's to play roulette and French hazard, and, and I lost the devil of a sum of money. Oh, God. Haven't we had enough of that in this family? I don't see that it was so very bad. If I hadn't had such infamous you luck... You sound just like our father. And he lost us everything. Everything? You're bamboozling me. I wish I were. Why do you think I've been spending so much time in the city talking to creditors, let alone trying to put the estate back into some sort of order? Now you tell me gaming's in your blood too. It isn't. I swear it isn't. But why didn't you tell me before about our father's debts? I'm not a child. Perhaps I should have. The fewer people who know, the better. Not even our mother knows it all. But I could help. I could come down from Oxford. You'll oblige me by staying where you are. We're not on our last legs yet, you bacon-brained idiot. When did you lose all this money? At Christmas. And, and I went to a moneylender and had 500 of him. I was going to win it all back, but... Oh, don't look at me like that, Charles. I'll swear I'll never do it again as long as I live. So you asked Sophie for the money? Good God, no. She said I should come to you, and if I'd had the least notion of what she intended to do, I would have done so straight away. So, how did she... I don't know how she did it, but she went to see Goldhanger and got back my bond and the ring I'd purged, without paying him a penny of interest. Sophie went to see a moneylender? I can't believe she would do such a thing. Ask her yourself. She's the most redoubtable girl. I shall do so at once. Sophie was reading in the yellow parlour when Charles interrupted her. I seem to be very much in your debt, cousin. Hubert has told me everything. You are not at all in my debt, as you have given me back my earrings. You know, Miss Raxton is in the drawing room with your mother and Lord Bromford, which is why I have sought refuge here. Never mind that. How could you have gone to see this gold hanger on your own? 
I know it was dreadfully fast and bold of me, but I thought nobody would ever know, and I didn't think you would want Hubert's affairs being discussed outside our immediate circle. And you expect me to believe that this gold hanger willingly gave up the bond and the ring for no more than the sum he lent Hubert? Not entirely willingly, no, but I took the precaution of taking my pistol with me. Your what? My pistol, Charles. I have it here. Look. Well, let me see it. Sir Horace always told me never to give it to anyone I wasn't satisfied could be trusted to handle it. And it's loaded. Ha! You see this invitation card? I challenge you to hit it. Hold it steady, then. Good shot! Oh, my dear, what was that dreadful noise? Only Sophie firing her pistol, Mama, at my insistence. Are you quite mad, Charles? I suppose I must be, Eugenia. It was my fault, dearest aunt. I never could resist a challenge. You will at least let me clean it for you, Sophie. Thank you, but I like to clean and load it myself. One can never tell when one may need it, can one? Eugenia was not impressed that Charles approved of Sophie's conduct. She had no undesirably romantic notions, but she did feel it was her duty to protect her future husband from the excesses of his family. She thought he should have been far more severe towards Hubert, but she was even more shocked when Charles said, I'm withdrawing my objection to Cecilia's desire to marry that ridiculous puppy Augustus Fornhope. My dear Charles, this is not like you. I dare say it is the influence of your cousin that prompts you to say things that go against your inclinations, not to mention your breeding. My brother was so scared of me, he felt he couldn't come to me with his troubles. Sophie made me see I have treated him wrongly, and I don't want Cecilia to think I'm trying to force her to marry Charlbury when she doesn't like him in the least. But your father approves of Charlbury, does he not? Whereas Mr. Ford... I thought she was merely infatuated with the poet, but it seems her heart is engaged. Fiddlesticks! There's something very forward and disagreeable in a girl's falling in love, as the common phrase is. No doubt underbred persons make a practice of it, but surely a man of birth and upbringing would prefer to see more restraint in the lady he marries. I think it is very unbecoming in a daughter to act in opposition to her parents' wishes, and as your father won't countenance the match... Tell me, Eugenia, if I'd offered for your hand without your father's consent, would you have entertained my suit? You would never have done so. The idea is absurd. But if I had... Certainly not. I am obliged to you. And so you should be. You would hardly wish the future Lady Ombersley to be a female without reserve or filial obedience. Having dealt with Hubert's problem, Sophie turned her attention to the other members of the Rivenhall family, especially Cecilia, in whom she detected a new liking and respect for Lord Charlbury. So she persuaded the latter to accompany her to her father's neglected house, Lacey Manor, which he did, though suspicious of her motives. We're not eloping together, are we, Sophie? Lord Bromford would have something to say, since he is set on making you his wife. He would probably challenge me to a duel. If he was not suffering from one of his uncountable ailments. No, the truth is, Charlby, that I've kidnapped you. Why, for heaven's sake? So that I may be so compromised that you will be obliged to marry me, of course. What? Don't be alarmed. I have asked Sancha to come to Lacey Manor, and I know she will oblige me. And I have left a letter for Cecilia, telling her I am about to sacrifice myself. Thank you. And you, of course. If I know her, the shock of getting my letter will bring her post-haste to Lacey Manor to rescue the pair of us. And if, my dear Childbury, you cannot help yourself in that situation, I wash my hands of you. Outrageous. 
Surprise is the essence of attack. I was told that by a most distinguished soldier, the Duke himself. Ceci must be made to pity you instead of Augustus, don't you see? Besides, I'm quite persuaded she will suffer torments of jealousy. And where does Charles stand in all this? I have quarrelled so dreadfully with him, I must seek refuge in my father's house. What was the quarrel about? I had to make an excuse for flying from Berkeley Square, so I took out that young chestnut he bought recently. It was very shocking of me, but the horse did not bolt, and Charles came to my rescue. But then he said such things to me. I've never seen him in such a fury. No matter, they gave me the cause I need to fly from him. And you have doubtless left him a note telling him you had sought my protection? No need. Ceci will tell him. I dare say he will pick a quarrel with me. I hope you buy me a handsome wreath. I promise you shall come out of this with a whole skin. Well, perhaps not quite whole, but very nearly. I may not be a match for him, either with pistols or fists, but I have no fear of meeting with him. And if I survive this adventure, your fate is clear. You will be murdered. Indeed, I can't think why someone didn't murder you long ago. Strangely enough, Charles once said something very similar to me. Ah, here we are. Ring the bell, Chalbury. Everything appears to be in shocking disorder. I must tell Sir Horace it will not do, though he's never liked the place. Perhaps because my mother died here. Sorry to hear it. I dare say it's only because he's shockingly idle. Ring again. The servants were astonished. The house was damp and dilapidated, and the housekeeper said there was nothing but a pinch of tea in the larder. None of which discomposed Sophie, who soon had the covers taken off the chairs and a fire lit in the hearth, which smoked abominably. Oh, <coughs> shame the place has gone to ruin, as there are some lovely things here. The best pictures are in the long gallery. Shall I take you there? Heavens, it's dark in here. Let me draw the curtains. There are two Van Dykes and something that is said to be a Holbein, though Sir Horace doubts it. I'd like to see it close up. What do you think? Well, it's hard to tell. Oh, good grief! I'm shot. I do beg your pardon, but I thought it would be worse if I warned you. Are you mad? What have I done that you must put a bullet through me? Oh, nothing in the world. Here, let me bind it up. My dread was that I would break your arm, but I haven't, have I? No, it, it's hardly more than a grace, but I still don't... Last thing I wanted was that Charles would challenge you over this escapade. You don't think I'm afraid of him, do you? No, but think how shocking it would be if Charles killed you all through my fault. Now... I've bound it up and I shall make a sling for you and you will be quite comfortable. I am not in the least comfortable, I assure you. But you will be. Ah, I hear a carriage. That will be Sancha. Sophie took a lamp from the table and opened the front door. Through the driving rain, she saw the Marquesa's four-wheeled barouche draw up. To Sophie's surprise, Sir Vincent Talgarth sprang out of it and handed down the Marquesa. Adding to Sophie's astonishment, Augustus Fornhope also emerged and stood transfixed gazing at her while the rain beat unheeded on his bare head. Madre de Dios, Sophie, why have you dragged me to this terrible place and in such weather? I'm delighted to see you, Sancha, but why the deuce have you brought Sir Vincent? That, my dear Sophie, is a long story. And why the devil have you brought Mr. Fornhope? Surely you know one does not bring Mr. Fornhope. 
he comes. Are you going to let us in out of the pouring rain? I suppose I must, but it's very unfortunate as I'm expecting Cecilia at any moment, and probably Charles too. As you stood there, holding your lamp, I thought I beheld a goddess or a vestal virgin. Well, if I were you, poet, I'd come in out of the rain while you make up your mind. While Sophie was preparing Lord Charlbury to woo and win Cecilia, the object of his affection was reading Sophie's letter, which had been handed to her by the Ombersley's butler, at the same time as Eugenia arrived, to arrange a little party in honour of her approaching nuptials. My dear Cecilia, you're looking quite pale. I trust you have not received bad news. No. Uh, Well, I really ought to... Come into the library, my dear, and sit down. A glass of water and some smelling salts will revive you. Allow me to assist you. Eugenia ushered Cecilia to a sofa, deftly took Sophie's letter and rapidly read its contents. Good God. Bad though I thought your cousin's conduct, I would not have believed she would have gone to such lengths as this. Eugenia, you have no right to read my letter. Give it to me at once, if you please, and never mention its contents to a living soul. I thought you would like me to find out what had so distressed you. This news will be all over London tomorrow. I don't know when I have been so much shocked. It must not be. Sophie and Childbury. It cannot be. I shall set out for Lacey Manor immediately. I know Sophie wants to help me, but how dare she go off with Childbury? And she's quarrelled with Charles. She must know that he doesn't mean what he says when he's in a rage. He shall accompany me to fetch her home. I shall send to him at White's. Calm yourself, Cecilia. If your cousin has quarrelled so bitterly with Charles, his going could do more harm than good. I shall accompany you to rescue the wretched girl before the scandal breaks. No, no. It's excessively kind of you, but I had rather you didn't. You can hardly go alone, and I know my duty as a Christian. Very well. But I dare say Sophie will make you look foolish, and it will serve you right for meddling in what does not concern you. I will just write a note to my mamma. And of course to Charles. At this point, Lord Bromford was announced. Forgive the intrusion, Miss Rivenel, or your servant, Miss Raxton, but but I saw Miss Stanton Lacey driving down Piccadilly with Lord Charlbury beside her, and I wondered where she was bound. My cousin has been called suddenly out of town, Lord Bromford. With that fellow as her companion. I was engaged to drive out with her this afternoon. Miss Stanton Lacey is always impatient of convention. She has driven down to her family home, but I am confident that we shall persuade her to return with us tonight. We are about to set forth immediately, once I have written a couple of letters. Will Mr. Rivenhall accompany you? We go alone, Lord Bromford, to try and keep this unhappy event from the ears of the world. I shall escort you. Two such delicately nurtured females need the support and firmness of a man. I shall call Childbury to account. His conduct shows him to be a libertine, and he shall answer for it. Next time, Ceci, Lord Bromford, Eugenia and Charles descend on Lacey Manor for the grand finale. For more about the podcast, the books of Georgette Hare, or to subscribe, go to thegrandsophie.co.uk. And you can always subscribe on your usual podcast app. Thank you.